0: Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In today's episode, we take a deep dive into the ultimate state of consciousness for the paradigm of identity, that is, enheartenment. If you remember from our previous episodes on the elements of a paradigm, all models have an ultimate state of consciousness, whether they explicitly state it or not. Related to this, we also explore some metaphysics of metaphysics, and how essence, form, and expression are powerful ways to frame aspects of reality. Lastly, a reminder, we have an Open Door Day coming up on October 23rd, where you can get direct support and reads, intuitive reads from Stace Barron. Uh, Eric Grace is organizing this. You may know him from the Holy Human Club. That's W-H-O-L-L-Y in Clubhouse. And uh, you can find him there or you can email me at joseph, J-O-S-E-F, at clearandopen.com for more information. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome forward, listeners, to episode 29. I have a not-so-secret love of prime numbers, so I'm sure today will be really good. And thank you, <laughs> Stace Barron, for being here. By request, by Stace's request, we're going to talk about and, um which basically will sum up everything we've talked about heretofore in some ways, but it's meta, 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 esoterica, as you <laughs> t- described it. So where should we start today?
1: Well, um, Segwaying from our last one uh, on money, uh, which is one of the more denser uh, exacerbations of human consciousness. An
0: exacerbation uh, of human consciousness. That phrase sure. I don't think has ever been said before.
1: <laughs> oh, that might be. That might be true. Like a fly
0: uh, in the ointment of human consciousness, like that kind of.
1: Well, a kick up. Yeah, a a a a um a pee a pea under the mattress that has to be, or an itch that has to be scratched. Uh-huh. Uh, let's say. So, um, today's going to be um, uh, meta-esoteric, as Joseph uh, just used the term. Um, if, uh, if you haven't had much um, experience with enlightenment talk, uh, uh, today may be a little mystifying, but not mystical uh, to you. <laughs> uh, and uh, in, fact, in fact, the difference between myst- mystical and metaphysical and the way we use them and the way yeah. the world uses them are very different. Um, but today we're going to talk about um, what identity offers as the ultimate state or goal of human consciousness maturation. Which we now, talked
0: about when we did the, I always forget whether it was eight or nine elements it, for, of a paradigm. I think it was nine elements of a paradigm. We did that talking sure. about the ultimate state of consciousness in all paradigms. So now we're zooming into that and talking about identity's exactly. ultimate state of consciousness.
1: Exactly. Um, and I'd, for those um, who are tuned in, uh, uh, and if, if you f- happen to be familiar with uh, the integral path, uh, integral theory of uh, started by Wilbur, um, that that that's good if you have that basis., um, it turns out that our uh, identity's um, ultimate state of consciousness is far more complex than the simple one that is at the end of um, Wilbur's. Uh, the end end all, end all be all, of course, is the end of the, is an integration of the witnesser and the witnessed, um, a, uh, a, a non-dualized, egoless, um, experience-experiencer type integration that the Buddha talked about. Um, and so uh, that's pretty simple, and that's an easy one. That's their ultimate state of enlightenment, um, whether it's Advaita Vedanta's version or uh, Zen Buddhism's. Um, we we have an array as uh, uh, laid out much like um, in the integral theory does, but wildly different and wildly divergent in an end game. Uh, and the end game, of course, uh, is always in- inextricably tied to the assumptions of a paradigm. Mm-hmm. In other words, the beginning assumption in in Wilbur's paradigm is that the personal self is an illusion uh, right. created by. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, the way the mind, the body mind um, processes experience dualistically this or not that, this and not that. Um, and so that assumption then, of course, leads all the way through a very complex teleology of um, integral path to uh, a place where there is um, uh, uh, the end state of basically uh, an absence of any personal I, feeling, or experience. The I disappears into whatever it is that is the best way to say it generically.
0: And I um, want to just insert here, it can sound very simple and innocent, the ultimate yes. uh, state of consciousness, mm-hmm. but you can learn a lot about a paradigm by inquiring into exactly that question. You know, yes. what exactly, you say to your, uh, you're the consumer of the paradigm and the the paradigm purveyor says, <laughs> well, this, you should do X, Y, and Z steps because it will help you. Okay, well, according to your paradigm, What's the end? When am I done? When am I totally healed? And what does that look like? And it's such an important question, I think, for people who are all paradigmatic consumers to ask that (laughs) question, because you can learn so much about the paradigm when you hear how vague, in general, the answer you'll get. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what, according to your therapist, is the ultimate state of consciousness? What, according to your priest or whatever? They generally don't have a very clear picture of that. And the more questions you ask, the more dead ends you run into, which is indicative of just the incoherence of the paradigm very often that they haven't really thought oh, it through.
1: yeah. Well said. Well said. Uh, I've got You've got to give kudos to um, Ken here because uh, yeah. he, he does define, um, be, uh, he doesn't define his beginning assumptions, mm-hmm. um, but um, uh, his end game is very clearly stated and all the states and stages uh, that, yeah. that uh, we go through, it's really eloquent. It's just, an identity's um, humble point of view, inaccurate, w- wildly inaccurate, even though, um, mucho respect to um, Wilbur's intellectual prowess and his unfolding. Um, yeah, it's unfolding. brilliant. Yeah, it, uh, absolutely brilliant. So um, <laughs> from uh, identity's point of view, um, there was no, the original cause of suffering in the world, according to Ken's paradigm, if I might make a stab at it easily is that um we are seduced by dualistic maya um in the way our body mind uh, processes experience uh, that that creates an illusory sense center of self an ego with a story and a history and and on all that uh and uh that uh, the only thing that keeps us from his ultimate state of consciousness is over-attachment and over-identification with this false illusory sense of ego or I that's created solely by um, experience. So far, a uh, uh, Gotama would would agree with him on that. Yeah, I was Did, gonna ask
0: about that. This is pure Zen so far.
1: So far, um, and it resonates with Advaita Vedanta. Um, uh, that's another a little interesting story, how the end games changed for Zen Buddhism and uh, and Advaita Vedanta. Uh, at any rate, um, so far so good. Um, but for us, uh, in identity, it's far more complex uh, because uh, Wilbur's point of view denies the existence of the personal self or any form of soul-based I, which they would say is an immortality project produced by the... Um, the uh, illusional attachment to a self here now, uh, uh, persisting into the afterlife after you die. So there's no personal eye. Soul eye is a, a projection. A soul is a projection of that, um, an attachment, attached projection. And God is an attached immort- immortality project that the soul eye over attaches to mm. and over identifies with. So no, no personal eye, no soul and um, no um, uh, a God, uh, no self-conscious God, let's say, mm-hmm. with whom to have a direct and lively experience with. Well, so, you know, um, if
0: there's no self, there's no self to have a relationship with the non-self-oriented God anyway. So that's right. Even exactly. if there were such a thing, there's no way you're going to relate to it. So
1: Right. So um, in that sense, what I love about Ken's picture is that it doesn't contradict itself. It's elegantly resonant in almost every direction mm-hmm. um, in terms of its ontology and teleogeny and uh, all the rest teleology um but just because a <laughs> a paradigm is uh, internally coherent is a separate issue than on on its take on of reality um mm-hmm. so uh to that this is where we this is where we veer an identity because, there was there's no fall into ma, uh, seduced into Maya or dualistic um, uh, illusoriness that has to be outworked and outshined. Um, instead, there was uh, there were three contractions of soul that happened at the birth of our souls out of a very real, very not exclusively personal, but a very personally accessible divinity that is self-conscious in both mm-hmm. yin and yang dimensions. At the birth of each of our souls, which are eternal, um, uh, three contractions of being occurred, um, the terror of being, the terror of not being, and the terror of non-being. And there's a whole, um, of course, uh, 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 ont- ontogeny about that, that we talk about. But those three terrors, which would take the whole time again to go through, so I, I wanted to just name those, mm-hmm. uh, that that the, those soul contractions, um, Uh, terrors, fears, directly come out of the assumption of identity that that emotivity is the prime aspect of human consciousness, not non-duality. In other words, Ken would say the prime uh, uh, arbiter of all of our states, the one thing that um, backlights it and sources it and is its end also is um, non-duality. We don't. We we don't agree. We 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 offer, and it is experientially validatable, uh, uh, not not a belief system. Not a belief system. Not to be believed. That uh, um, the what they what uh, about 2,500? Well, about 5,000 years, if you include Hinduism, 5,000 years of spiritual Eastern spiritual teaching based on um, uh, the absence of a self or the illusory of a self. Um, that non-dual, which is not a state, it's a not state, that non-duality is actually an aspect, an aspect of divine beings' largesse. It's, in other words, um, from Ken's point of view and 5,000 years of Hindu and Buddhist teaching, the non-duality is where the existential buck stops. There's nothing contexting it. It's the ultimate context, meta context of everything we would say "Mm, it can be personally validatable that uh, that, uh, it is simply an aspect of a divine being not ever imagined possible by the East um, in many ways. And certainly not the same kind of divine being that the West has uh, fantasized about, uh, a great big daddy in the sky and a patriarchal one at that and one proud to be patriarchal on top of that. Um, and certainly not that divine being either. So but Buddhism soul,
0: was accurate about the uh, father God being a uh, personality projection.
1: Yes, say. absolutely. Absolutely. And it was accurate that non-duality is an intrinsic aspect of noetic exi- existence. and uh, in, in fact, it's the source of noeticism, mm-hmm. uh, which we call of the mind uh, that way. Mm-hmm. So no mysticality in Zen, in Ken's picture, of course, and Um, And instead we start at a whole different set of assumption that there is a divine being. Uh, It had its own uh, version of awakening to itself. And we as a sole progeny of that divine being, as we were created, we were created out of the, what we would call the non-duality, we would call it pre-duality, the pre-dual womb of yin divinity. Something came out not of nothing, but something came out of a much less dense (laughs) something, quasi something called divine being. But it created out of that uh, yin divine womb, which was pre-dual, we dualized. We became real to ourselves and separate in soul, different than every other soul ever created. Um, And so those three terrors of being, not being, and non-being follow us as we incarnate in earthen domains. Those three follow us. And the healing of those three emotive-based contractions of soul, three terrors, three meta-existential terrors, um, the healing of them is what creates what we would call the end game or the ultimate state of consciousness. So that's the short, that's the headline. And I'm here I'd like to unpack um, what what that actually entails mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so far so good mr. yeah
0: uh, does it make sense <clears throat> to make a distinction between how uh, at this point how identity looks at healing the fear of not being and how that changes the Zen approach maybe does that make sense here I, we're gonna do that later
1: I'd like to do that um, okay. as we as we talk about each of those terrors yeah a that makes bit. sense okay uh-huh. all right so um, I had to make up a word for this ultimate state of being, we want to talk about today. And I came up with the term enheartenment many years before I ever had a, um, uh, uh, a nonprofit founded. Many years later, uh, it was I never saw it in print anywhere. And as far as I know, I'm the author of it. But who knows? In the in the coincidentality or the uh, mm-hmm. the, syn- the synchrony of things, it doesn't really matter. But we call it enheartenment. But uh, there's also an esoteric name for it that I wanna honor, um, that I honor um, Hinduism with, and that's Atma Brahmesh. Uh, We'll talk about why that term is an honoring of um, the uh, uh, esoteric Hindu Atman is Brahman uh, orientation that's at the center core of their their paradigm, esoteric Hinduism. At any rate, um, uh, the terror of being uh, uh, solidify or is addressed in identity's personhood path. The terror of not being is addressed in um, identity's um, sagehood dharma or path. And the terror of non-being, the weir- weirdest of all, which we talked about f- fairly extensively in an earlier podcast, uh, is um, is the um, focus of um, identity's uh, uh, sainthood path. In other words, personhood, sagehood, and sainthood themselves in in their separate dharmic paths um, uh, create the realness of our soulfulness in in reflective ways. Another way to say that is personhood, the attainment of personhood means you've healed the terror of being. All the self-unworth, all the angst, all the projections, all the codependencies, all those things are addressed and healed in personhood, ideally. Uh, no one's no one heals 100% in any of these Dharmas, uh, not at this stage of the planetary consciousness mm. uh, in our in our picture. So the terror of being is healed through personhood Dharma and, th- and that creates uh, the o- emotively authentic self uh, at the end of that. Uh, that has to be done first or primarily in identity uh, before moving on, because all the motives for seeking spiritual liberation, spiritual, enlightenment spiritual goals all have hidden motives uh, mostly um, uh, under the umbrella of escaping from uh, the suffering of humanity yeah I mean the Buddha uh, Siddhartha he left he abandoned his his newborn child and his and his wife because he wanted to um, uh, solve the the issue of suffering for all of humanity
0: and renunciation was a pretty popular thing those days he wasn't the only one who did it
1: Absolutely. He he just renounced the normal Mayak life of a, a wife and a son uh, in that case. Um, so in that sense, the terror of being has to be healed to clean up unconscious motives of trying to renounce or get away from or escape from or transcend the human theater and all of its chaos, all of its uh, drama theater um, and and be free and liberated into a state of equanimity, serenity, or as they say uh, in one of the traditions, a state of wa, wa, w-a, right? Uh, the state of wa. Um, but you can't make a goal. If you make a goal out of serenity, equanimity, or wa-ness, um, you are already uh, coming out of a, a lack uh, basis. Uh, you can't make a goal out of enlightenment. You know, even, even not many non-dual teachers stress this <clears throat> or Zen masters, but if you make a goal out of it, it will never come because you're be, you're using a personal will to create an end game for you that you think is better than your current state of consciousness now. Which is uh, a
0: fundamental duality right there, right?
1: Fundamental duality, you can't escape it. So this is why the non-dual, the, the next say sage- sagehood path is so <clears throat> Um, mysterious to most westerners because um you can't you can't manifest it you can't um, uh, hold it in your hand you can't weigh it there's no color you can't intend it or even unconsciously motivate it you think if people think if they don't consciously intend to escape or or get away from human suffering they're, they're all the bases are covered but it's just not the case because they've never they never proactively um, explore their unconscious motive for the intention of not projecting anything onto an enlightened state, which is not a state at all uh, in its truest form. So you've got to get all that cleaned up. Once uh, there's a certain amount of personhood uh, available, you can move on to sagehood uh, where uh, identity says, the terror of not being is addressed. In other words, all because every the emotivity is the essence of human consciousness for identity, just for identity, first time in history anyone's ever made that claim and had a whole paradigm built upon it, um, because that's the case, it's healing the terror of not being that yields the enlightened state. We don't use the word enlightenment. We use the word ensoulment, um, hmm. emotive body ensoulment and personhood mental body in soulment in uh, sagehood and um, will body and soulment in sainthood as we'll get to in a minute. So um, there is the place where the pre-dual or what the esoteric traditions call the non-dual is actually not experienced experienced. Um, uh, you can't project into it anymore you can in the, the, the standard non-dual um, path. Uh, and it evolves itself by healing an emotive contraction of soul. So uh, once, once, once you have that now, once you have um, ensouled the mental body such that um, you see that relative, what happens in ensoulement of the mental body is the underlying soul eye that is the um, actual parent or context for the mind eye. The the slavery to the mind eye and identity sagehood path is 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 obliterated. No more slavery to it. There's a tabula rasa eye of the needle you go through, very similar to um, the sagely traditions. But at the other end, you don't go zero. Um, expose the illusion of of the mind based eye. You we are simply freed of its slavery. And when we're freed of its slavery, what has room then to bring into the being is the soul eye, which incarnated here uh, by choice in the first place, pre-existed life, um, uh, human life, and post-exists human life. So in that sense, um, the soul eye is uncovered uh, um, uh, after mental body and soulment. And then that soul eye, now that it is more emergent in the being, um, now has to navigate a very tricky path of okay, I have an, I have will as a soul, um, and it's somehow inextricably tied to the will of divinity because it's the soul is a direct progeny of divinity, and our mind eye is a direct progeny of our soul eye. So we have that um, that um, uh, uh, sequence. So the will of divine being becomes into play, how to adjudicate the will of divine being and uh, the will of, uh, of uh, the soul eye, the individual soul eye. And uh, when that's adjudicated, a terror of non-being um, uh, is, is solved. And to get directly to the point, atma brahmesh or um, enhartenment is the attainment of a motively mature personhood work emotively mature sagehood work and emotively mature sainthood work all in one lifetime. Now, that means you have to in soul or, yeah, in soul in each of those um, uh, hoods, as we say, uh, before you can ever uh, have have the integration of them as in, in one lifetime. Most Most souls need, if we started today raw with Souls willing and able to do identity and resonate with its premises. Yeah, 10 to 12 lifetimes, I would say it would, would be the, um, uh, the average, uh, maybe less somewhere between six and 12, I would say, uh, one, then one day, one life you can do all for having, having done separately over lifetimes, perhaps, um, so a couple of lifetimes, less than a dozen, uh, then, um, then you, uh, you can able, you can do it all in one lifetime. That's how the future looks anyway, too. That's a long-term project. Yes, six to 12 lives. But uh, put that in perspective. (laughs) Um, No one has ever claimed, no one that I know of has ever claimed, no spiritual educator or teacher has ever claimed that you can get there, um, the ultimate state of consciousness, very complex one in identity, more complex than this esoteric East, in a certain number of lifetimes. and maybe sooner than that, uh, but certainly not longer than that. So, enlightenment is not something you can do anymore on a, on a weekend seminar. Mm. Uh, you can you can if you enlighten if you enlighten in um, in Ken's paradigm or in Zen Buddhism or Advaita Vedanta. Vedanta, of course, um, you've only accomplished one third, one third of consciousness maturation requirements according to identity. They, they only pick one of the three it was not one they didn't pick well, that it
0: out of leads to a question that I have because I've I've heard uh, I heard for example Ajashanti once he was talking about fear and meditation on the way to enlightenment and he was I heard him say that some people will experience a lot of terror on their way to Satori, and some people won't mm-hmm. and it it, it just depends on the person and that got me thinking like well are the people who are experiencing the terror just? uh incidentally or accidentally processing the terror of not being and other people are doing more transcendence or what
1: well identity would would answer um with a slightly different framework to explain the same data Mm -hmm. and that would be that younger souls um don't feel uh, the younger the soul, the less incarnations in planet earth, the less times around the block, uh, uh, the less known they are to themselves, in other words, um, they can transcend uh, their way to um, that, a version of enlightenment where there's no, there's no um, terror at all. Mm-hmm. The older the soul you get, however, the more who has been around block so many times, they know everything external flows from everything that's internal. And, and as long as you start your, your paradigm with the, the personal self inner is a real thing, which we'll get to in a moment here, not an unreal thing, then they, the, the old, older or more aged they get in the sophistication of consciousness, the more they're going to be terrified to lose it, you see? Mm-hmm. And so that's how we would explain um, uh, 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 why some feel the terror and some not. Uh, Identity only draws older souls uh, so far. Um, And so most of the people who we've helped um, uh, um, herd into the non-dual corral and come out the other side, uh, experience some form of terror. Um, So that's just our experience. But those who don't, that's fine too. You're on, they're on your way. You've gotta have maybe several lifetimes, maybe a dozen lifetimes, of, um, of enlightening uh, uh, in, the, in the Zen or Vida Vedanta way, uh, before you're ready for identities, it's a much harder task mm-hmm. because it starts uh, with a very different premise. And um, that is um, that uh, in identity, nothing is illusory. Nothing is illusory. The only thing that is illusory in the human condition are teachings that teach that there is such a thing as illusoriness to the <laughs> that's the only illusion. And the way this uh, is, uh, susses out is was was so astounding to me as it unfolded in me, and I tried to put words to it, is that everything is real, but some things are more real than others. Now that's on a that's on a um, uh, uh, an arc of less dense to more dense. The more dense, the less real; the less dense, the more real. So the whole area of of the human condition, uh, everything is real, uh, but some things are more real than others. This means there's the personal self is a real thing, the mind eye that mediates as a as a child of the soul eye in incarnative expression. The the the, the mind eye is real. In this venue of dualistic being, it's real. It's not just the way the mind um, processes uh, experience, because the seed for the mind having an eye in the first place is not just experience. The parent of, of this of the mind eye is not pure dualistic experience. We disagree with the Buddha, um, well, not technically, but that's another story. Uh, but the seed of it is the soul eye, and so the mind eye comes out of the soul eye. So. Uh, The mind-eye is, is the Far East thought, they sensed this somehow, Joseph, that the mind-eye was some sort of unrealness relative to something else, Mm. and that only something else that they articulate is the non-dual. We have a little finer um, uh, orientation that uh, it's a a quote-unquote, you could say, identity wouldn't say, but you could say the mind-eye is an illusory projection of the mind of the soul eye, but we wouldn't say that. We would simply say that the mind eye is real, but it's a little less real than the soul eye that spawns it, and the soul eye is real, but it's a little less um, uh, um, uh, real than the than the um, divine eye that is its source and and, prod, and 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 and
0: um we're talking about realness try. at the level of essentiality where the, yes. the canvas of the painting is realer than the paint because yes. it precedes it ontologically
1: exactly right thanks for that clarification um i sometimes i talk about in this way and that's a better way to um to um help people understand what we mean by realness or like uh, I think
0: we've talked before about the uh, in collectivism, the individual is realer than the group because yes. there can be no group without the individuals, but there can be individuals without a group.
1: Exactly right. So um, in that sense, what's what ties everything together in identity is this core metaphysical principle. Everything is real, but some things are more real than others in that essence to form to expression kind of um, dynamical arc. And we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so having said all this so far, I, w- I wanna make sure I don't forget to say that, um, uh, that e- um, enheartenment or um, Meta- Ma- Atma Burmesh is both a state and a stage, both. Hmm. And the reason it is a state and a stage is that it is eternally asymptotic. In other words, there's never a completion. Uh, uh, it's not once you attain atma brahmesh, which heals the three soul fears of our of soul birth, um, existentially, meta-existentially, it doesn't mean you stop incarnating here. It doesn't mean you don't keep coming back. It doesn't mean you lose your soul eye. Um, none of those things are true for identity. Um, but since divine being is constantly unfolding, so is our attainment of atma brahmesh unfolding in subtler and subtler and subtler, much like Zeno's paradox, um, uh, 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 it never ends. So unlike a lot of the formulations in certain sects of Buddhism and, and Hinduism, um, there, there is no time that a Bodhisattva doesn't come back uh, to help the world. The more subtle our Atma Brahmesh uh, evolves, the more compassion, uh, joy and sorrow we have for the human race who still is circling in forms of fear-based emotional distress. Uh, and so we keep coming back to uh, help and help and help. And
0: and there would be identity would have self-interest as part of that equation, whereas the bodhisattva and Buddhist tradition is uh, done and yes. coming to help in a pure service kind of way. And we would say, yes, the, no, that's trying to escape the principle of self-interest there.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, uh, in that sense, uh, uh, a bodhisattva is a collectivistic uh, dynamic and, and eschews the um, that there's any personal desire or need at all in right. them. Right,
0: because the enlightened person in that paradigm has no self, so how could they possibly have any self-interest? It would just
1: be That's exactly purely right. serving. Right. <laughs> pure, pure, pure service, which is, of course, is the basis of the, illu- the, not the illusion of the fantasy of uh, mm-hmm. unconditional love. There are fantasies and delusions to human consciousness, just not essentially illusory as defined by the esoteric East. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a state and a stage. And um, uh, what is really interesting is that um any the path in the past has been that since the mind eye based body mind created um, so, sense of an eye is illusory, then the only way to um, get out of it is to create an absolute truth that um, uh, uh, all of the dualistic, um, what can we say? Um, emotive, cognitive, um, uh, 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 corporative, uh, all these states, um, uh, we get over-attached to them. And so those that over-attachment is not really processed. It's more recognized, processed meditatively maybe. But we process those attachments and identifications emotively. And mm. that really changes the end game. We don't just accept them, watch, watch our attachments until they detach a bit as is the standard uh, teaching uh, rubric of uh you're amenity- talking about
0: the identity's sagehood path or the influence of the personhood path on sagehood because uh both too. yeah I'm, I'm talking about both yeah here. you, you uh, once said um what's the phrase that uh emotive healing creates a natural transcendence yes. but transcendence does not create a natural healing
1: correct and 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 identity offers that resonantly comes directly out of the fact that we're emotive beings before we're energetic beings, before we're um, willful beings, before we're mental beings, and mm. before we're physical beings. So uh, emotive emotive um, uh, healing will yield natural transcendence without any will it just sheds it and this is where
0: there's a you know we talk so much about the self verifiably stuff Um, this is an example where there's um, quite a lot of clinical data so to speak Uh, not not in an excel spreadsheet but you and i have both experienced (laughs) a lot of people when they do the uh, ebe work the personhood work and identity heal stuff and then become naturally transcendent and it it, um, unearths from their soul history, the um, past uh, achievements and et cetera on the enlightenment path. It certainly was the case for me. I was a very bad meditator for almost all of (laughs) my life and um, doing some emotive healing uh, made me feel as if I had meditated quite a lot. It it led me to that. And I know that's true for a lot of people as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, again, I love that you reference, um, some Put some more salt on the tail of uh, experiential validatability um, in that way for this pr- paradigm. No beliefs allowed.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll tell, I'll tell a story too. I remember this was just uh, two years into knowing you. So it would have been like 2007 or six or something. I remember I came to your place uh, to do a session and you took one look at me and said, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you said you're in a sagehood state. And I was like, oh, well, that that makes sense. I didn't know that. Things seem kind of weird right now, but this has Mm -hmm. happened before. And he said, well, we're not going to do a session today, not an EBE session, but I'll do some things to validate this in you because Mm -hmm. you've probably never had somebody sit with you and validate it. And it was like five or 10 minutes. You looked in my eyes. You said a couple of koans and stuff. And I left after like 20 minutes. And I, that deepened in me. And I was in that place for like three weeks, whereas mm. I'd only ever been in that place for maybe an hour or two. Mm. And uh, that still is a time that irrevocably changed me. Um, yeah. And it was already there, but yes. it valid- had never been validated. Like you said, never had been seen in that way.
1: Yeah, and that's that's one of the wonderful, thanks for, um, uh, I, I remember that now, of course, uh-huh. that you say it. Uh, and uh, what's interesting is because identity draws older souls who have mostly had enlightened uh, lifetimes, those enlightened lifetimes are part of our soul field. Mm. When Joseph uh, showed up that day, um, the uh, the what was transparent through his local personality affect was this backdrop, and what happens is when you when you enlighten to the pre dual in our terms, you are able to experience this white featurelessness out of which a canvas a white canvas out of which all dualistic forms um, arise express, um, and so you can actually see through dualistic matter dualistic. Affects of all kinds to this non-dual state, so it was pretty easy. As soon as Joseph walked in, um, there was the white um, outshining his personality affect uh, mm. for me, anyway, and that told me he would had dozens of lives as enlightened, and what was what it wanted to happen. It wanted to come through this lifetime, mm. but in pre- previous lifetimes, like mine too, um, there was no uh, since this personal self was always called an illusion for the last five thousand years, basically. Um, there was no attendance to ripening the, um, the uh, an aging and evolving the personal self, only to have it picked into the by a non-dual um, picker into a, in a non-dual field mm-hmm. is a good way to say it. So there it was. And um, so that's not so hard to see. But we have that experience a lot in, in, in identity because people have either sagely or saintly, sagely or saintly enlightened in other lifetimes. But what was left on the drawing room floor was the personal, yeah. because the personal is always been defined as maya, illusory in some way. And what happens when that happens and you enlighten either as a sage or a saint uh, uh, in a lot of um, uh, People have both in their in their soul history, which you can read out if you've got the right uh, third eye access. Um, and you leave the personal behind. You create a legacy of split of soul. You cleave the soul from uh, uh, itself uh, um, by leaving the personal behind, because there is an indelibly present eternal soul eye that is the parent of the mind eye that is transcended in sage past and is seen as um, originally sinned or uh, in some way impedimentary in saintly domains. So you would literally cleave your soul into pieces by enlightening in the sage and the saint ways in the past because there never was a basis for the realness of the personal in any uh, um, uh, tradition up until this day until identity was born. Because we see their we, identity as an inclusivating uh, paradigm, it it exclusivizes nothing. Everything is real, and uh, some things are more real the, than others. So it's more inclusive of the personal. So that's why personhood was so important. Because in Joseph's case, um, uh, it's much. Once you've had a, a bunch of um, uh, non dual enlightenments. Uh, or uh, um, divine being enlightenments uh, in the saint track. Who the hell wants to go back to the mundane personal? Yeah. You've already got you've already got a lot of mileage on the soul, as Joseph mm-hmm. did. Dozens of non-dual and almost uh, as many, not quite in the sainthood domain, but some enough to to um, to leave another uh, another whole um, domain to leave behind the personal. Yeah. So, in, since identity says enough of this nonsense, it's time to wake up, folks, that everything's real, including the personal self, because it's the indelible. The mind eye is a child of the soul eye, and the soul eye a child of the divine eye. So, in that sense, there's no exclusivation, no transcendence, um, only healing. Uh, it's, it is uh, the, the, the tragedy. And it couldn't be helped, the tragedy of cleaving the soul in past sage and saint teaching traditions um, is indescribable. Uh, And and identity offers itself as the first paradigm that wants to do remedial work for the soul in, in bringing the personal into sagely and saintly contexts.
0: And the soul seems to know all of this because it brings forward (laughs) these other sage insane hoods sort of it it sort of brings it forward exactly at the times when it can be integrated back into the personality yes Um, yes so there's there's clearly some kind of spiritual instinct for uh, everything to be included by surfacing the things that have been excluded same way that happens when we work our childhood wounds
1: aspects of self
0: we've excluded Absolutely split ourselves right. that way as well.
1: Exactly right. And so in that sense, um, the the track that, or the goal of Atma Burmesh or Enhartment, um is already sort of preset in one way for those who have enlightened and sage and saint in the past. Mm-hmm. But as, as was my own experience uh, following my own pre-dual access, uh, you feel like you're naked on a mountain, for example, mm-hmm. um, standing on a mountain with your arms outstretched uh, and going back into personhood, um, most people who have enlightened in this life literally cannot ever go back to the person, personhood. The personal has been transcended so deeply and been propagandized into illusoriness so deeply in the mind that they can't get back into raw emotive aspects of the personal. It's been buried um, yeah. And for me, that's what it felt like coming back uh, to the personal, standing naked on a mountain, arms outstretched to down, going six feet under in the dirt in a coffin. Um, that's what it felt like. So that's why I, to this day, I, I oh, I so wish someone, um, an enlightened master, would come to identity to be served. But their access to the personal would be severely limited if they've been authentically enlightened Yeah. And not.
0: Yeah. And, I've experienced that personally, which I imagine sometimes is um, the purpose of that is so that maybe I can help people who've done it the same to some degree. But uh, to the degree that I did get to the uh, Zen picture of enlightenment, I definitely notice that it's uh, I don't track my stuff, my personal stuff, nearly as well as I used to. And it's like there's this big gauzy white veil between me and that. And it, it's hard to find sometimes an, a, a personal interest in the personal because it <laughs> just seems so small. And like, does that really matter? Who cares what the motive was? There's, and all of that is sort of unconscious sitting
1: there exactly. stay on a mountain. Yeah. And if, if you happen to be um, a less dense soul species, which we've talked about uh, already, um, then it's even more difficult to get to the personal because mm-hmm. uh, the the less dense the soul species the harder it is to generate enough gravity in the uh, human for, yeah. for your your soul feet to land in a human body yeah um, most angel souls i met uh um uh, are floating at least a foot off the uh the the ground energetically or chronically uh because they're abiding in other domains and can't get further into the personal until they start processing the personal which is really difficult if you're floating six six uh, uh, uh three feet uh, off the ground yeah,
0: justified so, it by justified by the premise that the self is illusion that's pretty hard yes, to get back from and exactly. then because then you've got the self-verified experience because right. you took uh, what was that metaphor you used to use if you take a a a, a a measuring cup to the beach and dip it in the wet sand, suddenly the sand is the shape of the cup. Yes. And so if you've had the, if the orientation yes. that the self is illusion and then you sit down to meditate, then it's going to mm-hmm. validate that premise and now it's a snake eating its own tail and it's very difficult to get out of that to find the verb that is the soul eye when you've practiced transcending all the nouns correctly.
1: Accurately. Yes yeah the more you're successful at non-dual based enlightenment um the more you cleave your soul that'll have to be outworked undone and outworked in future lives and the more difficult it is to ever get back to process the personal Mm -hmm. because it's it's been it's been yet left behind so many years ago um it it can't be retrieved and that's part of the tragedy that's the tragedy
0: yeah and i want to i want to highlight again because to me this is the, the most self-validating verification of e- the path of identity to me is that it's reliably we see that soul gifts from people undergoing the process emerge with no intention yes. whatsoever. And yes. that's what's so cool about it is Enhartenment in- is not about you becoming something else. Yes, It's about becoming you and all yes. of the soul gifts that you didn't even necessarily know you have get right. revealed that, again, are not intended for, constructed, mm-hmm. built, pursued. You deconstruct mm-hmm. your way toward it and they're surprising and emergent. And um, I also was thinking about the time, it was about two years into the work where suddenly I started seeing discarnate spirits which mm-hmm. was, remember that time? And I had yes. never done any third eye training. I didn't think I was particularly intuitive or anything. And something happened in my personal work. And suddenly I was seeing that there were 10 times as many ghosts as there were living people. And it was actually quite confusing to tell the difference for a little while. And, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And there was no intention at all to make that right. happen. Um, sure. and that's what make, can make it actually quite disorienting, too. But to me that's that's the best validation for the paradigm that there is that emergent things like that can happen.
1: Yeah, you, you can't imagine how bad how difficult it is to actually do each of the hoods. Um, uh, uh, if you did, you'd never do them. Uh, <laughs> and so but on the other, so- on the other side, um, when there's unmindful emergence, um, yeah. Unexpected emergence, both in the in the in the agony and the ecstasy, yeah. uh, and all the things in between. There's no other way to really self-validate. What what's the rubric of self-validation? Emergent reality, not intended to resonate with the premise that started it. Yeah, right. Uh, we uh, we outline all the premises and assumptions, um, but they're. Their emergence is unmindful and unexpected, and everyone's different that way, yeah. So, um, so it's what's cool about
0: enlightenment is we could probably say a lot of things that an enlightened person would exhibit, but you could also say just as many things that you don't know. It depends on the person,
1: exactly. Depends on the soul history, how many enlightenments and sage or saint you've had in the past. Certainly, if no one's ever. Enlightened in the personhood before uh, identity, because no one ever has ever used this rubric of we're emotive beings before we're anything else, the primary mm. aspect of, of consciousness. Mm. So, in that sense, um, this everything is real, um, and, uh, and some things are more real than others inside of an essence to form to expression, um, a meta dynamic. Meta-dynamic. Um, I'd just like to give a couple examples that this essence form expression thing is sewn in, this triad or this trinity is sewn into human consciousness in a way that cannot ever be um, uh, abrogated or gotten out of or transcended. Mm-hmm. Uh, essence form expression, I'll give you some examples of it, simple to esoteric maybe, um, pre, mid, post, right? Essence form expression, pre uh, is essence form is mid and uh, expression is post. There's the there's the uh, array right there. Source, essence, means, form, outcome, uh, uh, expression, uh, ont- 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 ontogen- ontogeny, ontology, teleology. Is another way to do um, have essence form expression. Onto ontology is the essence. Ontology is the way the um, essence unform, uh, un, un, un unpacks, or un, unfolds. And teleology is the ev- continuing e- evolution of the form ins- into different expressions. So
0: wait, um, so make sure I get that right. On- you had, you started with ontology as essence.
1: Um, or no, ontogeny. ontogeny. Yeah, okay. Ontogeny is sense. the essence, ontology is the form, and teleology is the expression.
0: We really should define those for people. Um, uh, yeah,
1: th- that's the most esoteric. Yeah,
0: on- ontology is the, the level of study of being, to generally mm-hmm. defined. So yes. it's the realm of being, and the gen. ontogeny is bringing the word genesis in there, so it's the origin of being.
1: Yes. And
0: then ontology is the beingness of it. Yes. And then teleology is the study of cause, right? The causality, the nature of cause expression of it.
1: Well, um, we would offer a little different, a little um, uh, adjustment to that. Teleology and identity would say the net results of the ontogenic seeding of ontology as it. Go, expresses in different forms. teologic, telescope, things that are far away that unfold near the end.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, another way, maybe this helps too. Oh, yeah, telos um, uh, means tilos, the yes. ultimate
0: object or aim. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's how you. That's how identity uses it. Thank you to the Greeks. Yes. Um, uh, another essence form expression example: generative, implicative, explicative. Okay. Uh Ken talks about in one of his earlier books about the implicate um and the explicate. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a nice little metaphor for that. But it that that also forms um the generative is the, is is evidential of the source. Um the uh implicative is the capacity for later explicative form uh, expressions of the forms. Um mm-hmm. here here's one that that uh, well here's one that another way to say it, let's stay a little more um uh earthbound capacitate mediate precipitate nice capacitate mediate precipitate um, so
0: capacitate like an as a noun the capacitate like a substrate yes the
1: capacity to later um, unfold to mediate and precipitate into expressions mm-hmm. yes that's how we use it soul mind body an easy one Uh that way Um, here's one that riles uh, would rile uh, the esoteric east unality pre pre pre-duality and duality Uh unality as essence pre-duality as the form formless form in this case and a duality as the child of pre-duality, the soul eye coming out of the womb.
0: Wow! Daring to call pre-duality a form, yeah, i.e., yes. something is more essential than it. Which
1: yes, yeah. that, and that's that's where they all get they get um, get get, get the, their butt cheeks chafed um, that way uh, because nothing, by definition of the non-dual, could preclude it, could pre-exist it. Yeah, it is where the all the existential bucks stop, uh, right? So um, we say no, no, no. You think all these people? I'm um, I mean, here, not trying to prove anything here. This has all become self-evidential. But all the people who have near-death experiences, you think that's just because the brain is is um, deoxygenating? Uh, yeah. um, um, try again. Uh, um, I can see people's uh, just like you, um, discarnate uh, uh, beings. Uh, if there would be no such thing as discarnate beings um, if there wasn't something that pre-existed where they came from right. uh, uh, and so there'd be no and of course uh, non-dual traditions call that Maya It's just it's just more subtle Maya can't mm-hmm. even have the stage of subtle uh, version where even those kinds of um, forms uh, are are transcended as Maya the mind projecting those but those are real uh, experiences and those are real beings when i go into a hospital i have to sort of kind of just go like <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. hospitals are busy places they're they're com- Completely filled with discarnate souls who are who are have just died or are on their way to dying and they're partially in and partially out. Yeah. It's crazy making. And then I walk through and they see that I see them. Right. And then they're, they're constantly uh uh going, wait, 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 where am I? Where like am in I the going? sixth
0: sense, they're drawn yeah. to the, those who can see them, yeah.
1: E- exactly right. Because the doctors certainly can't see them. Uh mm-hmm. they're they're the death is the enemy, don't you know? Disease is the enemy. Right. You know?
0: It's not a part of life. It's what no. you have to fight that. Thing, right.
1: you know? In, uh, in in in, in identity's, um, point of view that where energy is not um, the uh, essence of everything, there was something really interesting on the internet. Uh-huh. Uh, they finally um, scientists. The headline was scientists finally create something out of nothing. Um, they created some sort of um, of electrical uh, discharge out of the electro, the electromagnetic uh, 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 sphere of influence that predates electrical discharge, but they started out calling the electromagnetic source as nothing. We created something out of nothing. We induced electrical charge out of the electromagnetic spectrum, but they didn't say electromagnetic spectrum. It wouldn't have been a nice uh, title, but something <laughs> always comes out of something else, um, except as a form, a mediation. The the, the divine being is real. Uh, our souls are real, but Before our souls were born, there is this pre-dual, pre-existent, empty, uh, pre-dual womb of yin divinity out of which we're born. It didn't be born out of nothing, out of non-duality. It was born through pre-duality, not from pre-duality or non-duality. There's a divine being upstream of the pre-duals, not state. So in that way, um, uh, uh, in, in our picture of things, um, we say that there's something upstream of energy, uh, and that is ichor, which is the almost indescribable, undefinable love that is, that just is, that secondarily expresses as energy, and energy secondarily expresses as, as matter. So we've got ichor, energy, matter, as another example of essence form and expression mm-hmm. um divine being soul personality mm-hmm. essence form expression uh universal personal us uh, so universal impersonal personal uh another um uh, unfold and that's the, the same
0: episode. as the unality pre-duality yes. duality one mm-hmm. exactly
1: and in honor of my friends and associates in. uh Advaita Vedanta, Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu—they—they uh, uh-huh. they, that um, uh, 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 cooperates also. Uh, Brahma, Shiva, in this case, is is change, which all, always involves disruption. Brahma is the uh, essence. Shiva is the uh, 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 is the movement into forms that change all the time and require disruption, not destruction disruption um, into new forms and then Vishnu is the holding space uh, before the next Shiva comes out of Brahma to create new Vishnu. So um, Brahma, uh, Brahma, Shiva and Vishnu were an early stab at uh, an early evidence, an early ex- um, exacerbation of uh, essence form and uh, expression. So those two things allow identity to offer that there is a multiplicity, in this case, three, again, uh, to the sacred uh, number that's been extolled over the centuries, also uh, the millennia of three, that the the, the essence form expression is the way that some things are real, but other things are more real than other things unfold. Uh, Everything's real. Essence is real, form is real, expression is real. Just the realness is, what what's the essential um, cause or thing that allows the other two to be in that way? So that's really helpful uh, for those who are esoteric um, accountants, as it were, uh, <laughs> want to know what's the governing dynamic of your assumption. And those those that those two things are the governing dynamics of our assumptions of of reality um, and the way consciousness moves in human beings. What two things? Um, Everything is real, but oh. some things are more real than others. And that unfolds as expression ah. form, uh, or actually expression, um, essence form and expression, uh, is predates. Everything is real, but some things are more that's real. That's how, yeah, that's how everything yeah, that's is real. Yeah. So uh, those, that's
0: that. the metaphysics of, uh, identities metaphysics.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. So, um, uh, it, when, when, um, well, one of the net results of enhartment when you heal the terrors of, of being the terror of not being and the terror of non-being um all of a sudden um what, what that translates to over time i know you, you that we've been talking about um uh, as, a, as a species utopias and uh for uh, and um uh what's the one beginning with x um Xanadu. Uh, xanadus um, I'll
0: take paradises for 500.
1: <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> uh, 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 this, not, Atma Brahmasher in Hartman doesn't result and doesn't require any utopia on the outside. It's all an inner state. Mm-hmm. And that inner state is not even what could be called paradise or a heaven on earth. And this, this bears a little bit of chat. Um, not heaven on earth, but earth as heaven. In other words, enlightenment is an internal state where, no matter what the chaos, suffering is on the on the uh, uh, in the earth, uh, uh, in our uh, planetary-wide uh, global distress called the human condition, um, uh, we experience this level of being, the dualistic dense level we call the physical un- and energy universe. Uh, we experience that as divine being. For me, um, when I enlightened, I, I, got, I had a view straight through to the white canvas upon which all dualism arises out of now and now and now and now. So you never you, you never attach to dualisms anymore because they're constantly changing and evolving and they can't be nounized. A tree is not a noun. A tree, a tree what we call a tree is just a, 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 a cross section in the tree's uh, life. Uh, going yeah, nor is smoke. it
0: separate from the air or the ground or, or exactly the sun. right
1: exactly mm-hmm. so um so i already had that with the non-dual which dropped a lot of the attachments except my unhealed wounds <laughs> from personhood that's why it was so hard for me Harkening back to a, a moment ago we talked about uh getting back into personhood after enlightenment that's why so many of my own shadow uh, that all came apart uh, and reso- began resolution in 2015. Why, why it was so hard to get back to it. I had a, I had a deep and abiding um, a, a, a pre-dual event and that I couldn't get back. I couldn't back, and I, yet I still made a paradigm that made the personal real. But I, I myself could not embody that enough to get back, which all my shadow was right out in the open for everyone to see, nothing was hidden. It was all like you
0: built the ladder so that you could climb it.
1: Exactly right. Um, Someone actually thanked me for that, um, for showing that I needed the ladder to heal myself, also. I had to make my own healing path, in other words. So, in that sense, um, uh, the difference between enlightened and enlightened state, where there's no self, no God, um, no soul, and and heartened enharten state or atma Burmesh, is that what happened for me is that the white was no longer a pre-dual featureless whatever. All of a sudden it didn't go away, but it acquired, it acquired this dimension of love. Like the only way I can put it is white love, white mm. love, no longer just the white, love was added. And that was the I-Core of which all divinity and us as subsets and every moat and matter and piece of energy in, in the universe is made of I-Core. So this combination of sagely saint combination, white love. Uh, and because I did, I had had so many, I had several sainthood and, uh, so, and many sagehood in the past and past lives um, doing the personhood piece just in this last year has given me the first experiential tastes, Joseph. And we've not talked about this, you and I, yet. Mm. Only this year have I begun to experientially and emotively taste enheartenment instead of just energetically acknowledging it or being guided by it. Mm. Actually, on the first tiptoes of shore of of enheartenment, and that is, is also, as as I said earlier, it is it is a a um, uh, an asymptote. It just keeps deepening and deepening and deepening.
0: What What would a Zen master say to a student who enlightens and feels a whole lot of love?
1: Um, the only way th- I've, I've asked that question, actually, of a couple of like I'm an dual uh, teachers, and they had different answers. But the most cogent one to me, that's reasonable inside their paradigm that they say is not a paradigm, of course, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, is that the serenity, equanimity, and wa, uh, uh of your being no longer resisting or reaching for anything, just being.
0: Ah, the yeah. absence of desire absence
1: of desire allows this thing we put a word on a love but it's just that all that is is a sequela unfolding of equanimity serenity um and no more attachment and identifications so 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 grippedly so that's what that that to me was the best way i could explain and someone never didn't say it that clearly but in one i forget it i think it was um uh shapiro uh n- not not no related uh um, Isaac. Uh, Isaac, uh, yeah. that said that. It's just an after effect. We would say, no, it's been unveiled and unwrapped as that which divinity is made of, Icor. Yeah, I mean, I it's
0: not it. a very compelling argument um, that it's, well, that's just a natural sequelae. Well, wait, I thought the non dual had no features and is constantly changing and is radically impermanent and yet i'm feeling a constant or you know highly persistent sense of love yes that that yes. doesn't seem impermanent at all it's yes it's just there so it's a feature therefore there's something more essential than non-duality then the whole paradigm falls apart
1: yes um again uh it's it was time in our overall arc of uh, consciousness evolution for this corrective to finally be introduced, not by a scientist, not by a Zen master, and not by the Pope, uh, <laughs> uh, but by someone who who has felt divinity since he was born and didn't make it up. Uh, no one else in my family knew had that experience. Uh, I could feel divine being feel me since I was born. Now that's another story. How is that possible that I was born with that? Uh, it's an interesting question that I don't talk about much, and probably never will talk about much. It's just, it's just. Let's just take it at face value. That unless I'm insane, that's been my reality since I was born, and that has uh, deepened. Uh, so I had after I had my enlightenment, non-dual enlightenment. I had to, I had to adjudicate which was more true, which we've talked about in other podcasts. What was the realist real? the non-dual or the divine being, and how did they relate? And that became the question after my my uh, event uh, that, w- that was part of my ladder um, that way. Mm. So um, in that sense, uh, none of these things, as we said a few times in this podcast, are asked to be taken on faith. Mm. Um, not even in trust, but a little more trust than faith. Uh, uh, faith is simply, um, uh, uh, it still has fear in it in our picture of things because you're a little afraid that your, your faith isn't going to dele- deliver you to what you hope for. Um, unless you can experience God directly, you can have to have faith that God exists, but maybe it doesn't. You see, there's always a, 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 a something left over. Trust is that you've done enough internal work of unfolding that um, you see that there are ever emergent truths, that the truth, what is true in in um, Dark Age religion is different than what's true in Eastern esotericism Dark Age, which is different than truth in dim the dim age science uh, I think therefore I am uh, um, uh, era that should have ended in 2012 but didn't uh, and and, um, uh, and so truth is relative to the paradigm that it comes out of, there can never be a truth that doesn't have a paradigmatic value system upstream of it that made that truth. Mm -hmm. First paradigm, then value system based on that paradigm worldview, and then the truth that come out of your value system. So in in this sense, identity challenges 150 years of psychological premise and practice and about five, six, seven thousand years if you wanna reach back far enough. Of religious and spiritual teaching, practice, and premise, so it is beyond radical. People say, "Why aren't I, well, why don't I? Uh, am I not on the street marching for um, uh, abortion rights and uh, and social inequality?" Um, well, my form is a little different of activism, different form of activism. Let's reboot literally five thousand years of um, of spiritual teachings and. Uh, and 150 years or so of um, psychological teachings and about 3000 years of philosophical teachings. All of these are are put into a whole new paradigm by identity. And that's my form of activism. And I'm so pleased people think this is just all theory. Um, We've been beta testing this uh, for about 30 years. Uh, and finding failure after failure, not of the premises, but of the ways we tried to get at the premises into actuation. Those were all the beta. But I can tell you um, when this, the whole the first form
0: thing, and expression, not the essence.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The essence actually came um, at age 24 uh, mm-hmm. when I saw these, the three circles. I've told that story many times. Mm-hmm. The three circles of personhood, saithood, and sainthood when I got the three circles and they were blank, and I asked, okay, what is the, what am I looking at here? And the answer from divinity was, well, that's what the rest of your life is about, to answer that question. Mm. Um, so no belief uh, is offered here. Um, uh, uh, it's just, are you willing to peel yourself uh, uh, the onion of yourself locally, which is personhood, Um, uh, 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 non-dually, all the resistances to a pre-dual essential being that's still hovering around the roots of your soul birth. That's really what pre-duality, we said this before, I'll say it again. Pre-duality is still like a white mist around the roots of our soul eye. It reaches into just barely and dimly into our consciousness when we became aware that we exist, Uh, that pre-existence, kind of clings to the roots of our soul and can be um, uh, uh, recouped uh, uh, in, in the right practice. That's where pre-duality comes from. So in that sense, uh, Atma Brahmesh, um, uh, maybe another way to uh, frame this to honor Advaita Vedanta is that um, Atman, is Bra- Brahman, Atman is Brahman is the, um, is the existential phrase upon which esoteric Hinduism pivots and that is the assumption that Atman or the tile, if I can use a good metaphor here, in the mosaic of Brahman, the tile that's in uh, inside that mosaic is the consciousness of the Atman matches the consciousness of the Brahman. They are equivalent. Uh-huh. And in that case, the equivalency is non-dual um, in that way. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Atman is Brahman. Uh, it was a beautiful way to that predated the Buddha. Uh, the Buddha actually inherited that and then made an made reformed that as there's no difference between experience and the experiencer.
0: Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah isn't that's that the cool? Of it. But it's actually yeah. more. It says more than just that. Actually.
1: Yeah. It it does. There's a whole lot more than that. Mm. So, um, and maybe to close up here, unless you can think of some of the domains I haven't touched yet. Um, this, the, the end game, Atma Bramesh will reveal to us, or in Hartman, uh, will, will reveal to us a, c- a couple of things. And that is that the teachings uh, of Zen Buddhism, here's a little more esoteric tutorial here. Um, uh, for Zen Buddhism and pure Zen Buddhism, as we said several times before, um, one day, one life, that's it. There's no reincarnation whatsoever. Um, the body mind creates the eye. The realization that it's an illusion is a function of enlightenment. Death means black on black, that's it. Uh, some some versions of Zen Buddhism that still have golden idols, which I was astounded at in Japan. Really? Some Zen- yes, they still have golden idols in a Zen monastery. I mean, wow. give, me, give me a break. Um, uh, no idols allowed in uh, Pure Zen Buddhism. To find a Pure Zen teacher, you'd have to scour the world for it. Ri- they don't come out of their ashrams or their, shr- or their pe- uh, um, what do they call it? pagodas? Um, mm-hmm. They they just uh, come out every couple times a year to their followers and hold forth in some way. Um, but uh, to make a distinction here, Zen Buddhism lights out one 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 life, one death. That's it, um, and that they would agree. <laughs> In that sense, with one life, with um, uh, religion, uh, mm-hmm. that it's only one life. You got to get everything right all in one life. Um, that's it. Uh, but after of course in religion, there's an afterlife. Mm-hmm. Now, in Advaita Vedanta, that's slightly different, uh, depending on the tradition. Advaita Vedanta has the same endgame, but it may be thousands of years long. Uh, some piece of your of your illusional eye that retains its stubborn insistence on self-attachment and self-identification persists death, one version is and and forms with other partial pieces of selves of other people um, that, because it's energy and energy doesn't die. Yes.
0: Um,
1: Mm -hmm. um, And they'll link up and form an an amalgam of uh, attachment and um, uh, identification that will then um, incarnate as another person.
0: Wow, what a negativization of self.
1: Uh, Amen, amen. In other
0: words, if you're here, what you are is an amalgam of parts that were resistant. Exactly (laughs) right. That's the
1: essence of you. That's exactly right. Another version is because energy can never be destroyed, the resistant part the pathological part the negative part yeah. as a whole becomes another person you know not a, it's not a amalgam of a lot of them
0: because um, any goodness would do what any good aspect of a person would dissolve into the infinite
1: uh, exactly right. <laughs> nice. Oh, that was a great a supposition. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. there's the good things would dissolve back into the infinite, leaving only the bad things. Right. Therefore, <laughs> you're, yeah. So you just got to transcend all that bad stuff. You know, is this a good place maybe for a, a metaphor? I don't think I talked about this before, but um, you've talked about for many years the uh, three soul fears, um, mm-hmm. the, which we started out talking about fear of being, fear of not being, and the fear of non-being, as knots in the umbilicus of the soul. Yes. And um, that was your idea. And uh, just in the last month or so, I was thinking about how the the we we think of those knots and we experience the suffering that it causes us, and then we negativize the knots. Yes. Which is sort of like thinking that a knot and a rope is not rope. Like...
1: Like it's oh, some bad man. thing <laughs> when it's all rope. Yeah. It's the knot. If oh. it's in your
0: way, it's, you know, like when you screw up taking your shoes off and you leave a knot yeah. like, okay, yeah. the knot is a problem in expression, yeah. right. but if you try to cut that out with a pair of scissors, your shoes are screwed. Like that's still yes. some good thing you need. <laughs> And that was some way I saw of like, that's how we could sum oh. up basically every paradigm prior to identity being anti-self because it, it negativizes the not and that's yes. that splitting off that cleaving off of self from soul.
1: Beautiful metaphor. Uh, great. Uh, Joseph. That is really wonderful. Um, so yeah, to, let's put a little different, another spin on it. Only the dregs at the bottom of, of the wine cask, uh, mm. uh, go on to the next life. Oh God! Uh, you see, only the dregs, um, mm. only the shit that goes falls to the bottom, so to speak. But it is in this other iteration, um, uh, uh, it might go to another life and another life for uh, the wh- the wholeness of the being uh, the, of the knots, <laughs> the wholeness of the dregs, uh, not not pieces like an in The first will go to another and be, be another whole person. And that person will die and if they didn't do any work it'll keep going on and going on wow, it's so until,
0: anti-self
1: until one day and here's the end game showing the exact anti-self if it's anti-self and the definition anti-self in the process it will be anti-self in the in the in the end game the yes. end game is one day you've, you've evolved uh these attachments and identifications to the illusory self and one day one life the individual drop realizes it's just part of a wave of the ocean of witnessless non-identity and rejoin the drop rejoins the ocean of not non-being so to, so to speak yeah. um, that's a metaphor they don't claim that's a real energy it's because you can't describe a, a featureless energy right but in the end game it's identical to zen it's just in zen it's you only get one life to do it but advaita vedanta is a little more generous or according to pure zen teachers a little more um humanly um yeah. not advanced as zen what uh, a stark
0: contrast whereas i identity would see the person in front of you as actually the most distilled version of soul in that person's soul history because they've been improving yes. presumably every incarnation so yes. whereas that paradigm sees it as like, oh, this is a conglomeration of mess. Yes. We see like, oh, this is the soul's best attempt so far on their soul's journey, the cleanest they can show up right now.
1: Yeah. Well, good point. Not another way to say it. In that sense, um, the end game of enlightenment is about um, the self, the soul I, Say in between lifetimes, the soul eye and its parent, the divine divine being, coexist. One does not obliterate the other, uh, and that's why the in sainthood, share learning how to share the will of divine being and the will of the soul eye is so difficult. Because when the soul eye um, is freed of the mortal coil of the meat sock uh, that uh, our soul eye is filling up or precipitating as, and then. Remembers because it's in my case 470 times and the 471st time I'll I'll rem- oh and then my first I've always wondered you know what I'm kind of ansly eager eager to find out is when I uh, uh, get horizontal and never get never become vertical again one day one life we all fall down and never get up again uh, which is sad in one way but um, when when I open my eyes on the other side. My first thing is, okay, what did I get right? And what did I completely screw up here in identity? That's, that's what I want to know.
0: You know, related to that, I got a question. Someone recently told me they had a a near death experience and, um, and their life actually flashed before their eyes. And it hit me when they were saying that, like, is that the, uh, like an anti-movement for your getting ready for your, uh, post-life review? like it's collecting all of the data in you to be reviewed and so you kind of see the whole thing is that what's going on there
1: wow i never thought of it uh as that but yeah that resonates uh, joseph that that i would give that an 86.6% <laughs> probability of being true uh another way to look at it uh, one time i remember god i haven't thought of this in 20 years i remember thinking one day about that past life or that um uh, life flashing before mm-hmm. your eyes uh that it's um that it's actually um, as you're starting to pass um, all of your lifetimes um, uh, uh, create an uh, an essence that creates a form that moves into this life of all of all the moments of this life. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's yours is a preview of that. Mine is a, a post view. Uh-huh. You see, but th- that that's why it resonates. Uh, I never th- yeah. I haven't thought of it as a as a preview, but sure, that's just as real a possibility.
0: It's like the, the soul is just about to um, I don't know what's the right word not not leave the body. It's more like the body's leaving the soul. yes, um, the body's
1: leave- the soul doesn't leave the body. the body right. leaves the soul. Exactly. so as
0: that's happening, there's sort of a meta view. you're seeing you're seeing the perspective of your life from the soul's point of view, which yeah. is. Seeing it from this meta-meta view, and is maybe about to be reviewed. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Another sequela um, of of um, is that um, you. Well, I'll speak. I'll speak for myself. Um, you remember uh, past lives, like most people um, remember uh, grade school. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, and, and 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 another dimension of it, you remember um, what what the experience of a, is between lifetimes, uh, which is a little, which is more of a, a teenager, or a young adult's version. It's because I I had a, a pre-life before the the Stace life um, much sooner than um, a previous life a hundred thousand years ago or more more recently. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can see, you can, you, you, I remember, like, I remember, um, uh, uh, uh past lives for me, like I, most people remember high school and I remember what's, what it's like in between lives and that memory. Okay. How do I translate that now for people that includes everything? Nothing is an illusion. Um, how do how can I explain all this that's in my memory to test it, to see if it's accurate or just projection? Remember that that was the ultimate reason i I looked into Zen i i had to I had to know that my previous to that uh, to my event i I had to know whether or not my my divine being experience was just a projection of uh, of being in the womb with my mother, right, and being nurtured and held by that, uh, which an existential psychology and philosophy maintains. that's that's all God is is that sense of embryonic um holding. Uh, I had to find out if it was a projection or not, and so I went to Zen uh, past lifetimes, many times, and uh, I knew that was the cleanest form to rip away all immortality projections uh, mm-hmm. and God projections. And sure enough, uh, for those who haven't heard in previous podcast, uh, um, it went almost two months, three months, if I remember right. I can't and fuzzy after that event uh, wipes all the energy tabula rasa, tabula rasa. Um, the god field divine being slammed back into perspective and i had my answer that they can coexist mm-hmm. that for a while 3 months i thought okay i guess it was all immortality project i was a classic zen master mm-hmm. um, and out of bing so to speak uh, there it was
0: without your intention
1: so, without my intention i was mm-hmm. we, i was in the middle of satsang one day and i my mouth opened and nothing came out of it and and the divine beings present love presence came back so deeply. Um, and, and I was cogent enough at that time to say, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I started weeping and weeping and weeping. Wow. Uh, and then um, a c- couple of people, why is he weeping? He must not really be enlightened. Because <laughs> that's too invested into uh, a uh, state, you see. Mm. Um, uh, and then when I came out of it, I, I had some, they had to help me back to my place. Um, I don't remember how I got there. Uh, And then in the subsequent um, satsang, which is about four weeks later, I was able to describe divine being coming back into my experience. And I lost all of, I was about to say, (laughs) (laughs) I lost all of them. Oh, well, he's, uh, you know, forget about it. He, he was crystal clear there for a while, but it looks, he fell, he fell back into projected Maya, you know? Mm. So that is uh, to this day That's I'm certainly open to that possibility, but, if it were true, I don't think identity could have actuated as much real shifts in consciousness as it has unmindfully. Um, yeah. So uh, for me to close here, um, God, if uh, Advaita, Vedanta, Zen, or Ken Wilber's um, a picture of things uh, speak to you, stay with it, stay with it mm-hmm. till it dead ends, as we say, forever. Um, but uh, the people, uh, the Pope, um, Ken Wilbur um, and all enlightened masters, Ram Das a recent one, had a big surprise uh, when they died because divine being for the Pope uh, and some esoteric spiritualists is nothing like he knew it would be like. And it's certainly not nothing. Uh, it's it's not impersonal. Uh, you don't disappear. Um, and so have at it, whatever you your, whatever floats your existential boat, um, it's fine. Uh, we don't try. We don't. We don't um, missionate. We don't try to gain any followers. Uh, there's no followers. There's only explorers of identity, explorers, and pl- precious few of those. About uh, at this point in time, there used to be a few hundred, but after my fall from grace, that got went down to zero, and now is built back up again, not through any effort of mine, yeah. um, but it's just, just evolution. Um, and so uh, there's, there's probably 40, 30 or 40 people are now actively uh, exploring in some manner to some degree identity. Um, and so if it speaks to you, anything we're saying in these podcasts um, speak to you. If the idea of enheartenment or Atma Burmesh uh, 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 um, uh, creates a little shiver in your soul heart, oh, that would be wonderful to hear. And um, check it out if that, if that calls you. But uh, there's the um, how the assumption of divine being, non-dual, and and uh, personal all go together in identity, and are all are represented in the end game of enheartenment. Boah,
0: Okay, let's close there. Thank you, Stace. I'm glad we did an episode on the nature of enheartenment.
1: Yeah, there there's lots of. Um, underlying premises that hadn't been articulated uh as one kind of yeah. gestalt uh in, in, in previous ones. So I thought it was time. Plus I got another level of the white love recently mm. that uh, got it really hot for my being and illuminated a couple of ways to say things differently. Cool. So
0: yeah I'm glad we covered uh essence form and expression too because now we can use yeah. that in the future. I think we probably hinted at it here already, but yeah sure. Thank you, listeners. Yes, if there are any questions or requests, uh, you know how to reach me. And uh, thank you, Stace. And until next time, wish you all well on your journey.
1: Again, thanks, Joseph.
0: Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit Identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit ClearAndOpen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.